Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. This is another podcast of World Wide Wave, the international LGBT news and current affairs show, every week on Australia's first LGBT radio station, Joy 94.9. Surfing the Globe, bringing you news, views, and current affairs for the LGBT community. This is the World Wide Wave. This is World Wide Wave, Joy's international news and current affairs show for and by the LGBTI community. We love taking you around the globe one queer story at a time. Good evening, Andrew. Good evening, everybody. And Stonewall is synonymous with queer history. In Australia, the Mardi Gras protest was a seminal point in our history. UK World War II codebreaker Alan Turing became an LGBT icon after his death. AIDS and its impacts cannot be forgotten. With so many people keeping their sexuality in the past, queer history is only now beginning to be explored, captured and shared. History is written by those who follow but it can have a powerful message about our future. One person that knows this better than most is the founder of LGBTQ Plus History Month USA, Rodney Wilson. Rodney has recently co-founded the International Committee on LGBTQ Plus History Months to grow and share our knowledge of our queer past. Here's a taste of what's coming up tonight. I would say that for those of us in the over 40 community, since we were not taught any LGBTQ history when we were in school, even in university, if we're over 40, uh, we're recovering the history now because it's something we never had access to. The young ones, particularly the under 25, they are demanding that they be taught history now. They want to be taught this history when they're 15 and 16 and 17 and 18 now, we are talking all things history tonight. What's your most memorable moment in queer history? It might be something that you learned and have kept in your hearts. It might be your very first something or other. Uh, it might be something very personal to you. As the saying goes, from little things, big things come. Rodney Wilson was a high school teacher in Missouri right in the heart of America's Midwest, and perhaps an area not known for LGBT rights in the 1990s, back then Rodney made two monumental decisions. The first was to come out, becoming the first openly gay public school teacher in the state, and the second was to start Le Lesbian and Gay History Month in the USA. We asked him to tell us how it all happened. I was a secondary school teacher in a suburban St. Louis high school in the early 1990s, teaching American history. And I recognized that in my history textbook, the one the department approved, the assigned textbook of 800 pages, uh, there was not a single reference to any 
LGBTQ person, event, movement, nothing. If an LGBTQ person was mentioned, they were mentioned without that information being provided. Um, And I had long been a practitioner of or participant in Women's History Month, which in the USA is in March, and Black History Month, which in the USA is in February. And Black History Month really is the first commemorative month that we have. And it started in 1926. Uh, a Black historian, Carter, Dr. Carter Woodson, only the second African-American to graduate from Harvard, the only African-American whose parents, both parents were enslaved to ever graduate from Harvard. And he believed in the power uh, and the importance of history in his community, which, of course, had been you know, relegated to the sidelines, if that, by white historians. So he created Negro History Week in 1926, and that evolved into Black History Month in the 1970s. But from that commemorative event uh, came the idea of these various other sorts of history months for other communities of individuals who had been left out of the story, who weren't part of the narrative, who didn't get a piece of that historical pie. And as a, a young teacher at the time, someone who thought that Women's History Month and Black History Month were important and helpful and had indeed helped me evolve and grow. And I'm not a woman, I'm not Black, but they very much helped me uh, grow and understand the bigger picture of American history in my case. So I thought that those would be great models. And in January of 1994, I typed up a two-page proposal, what History Month is, what it could be for our community, why it would be important for our community. I sent that to all the then known LGBTQ organizations in the USA via postal mail, of course. I didn't even have an email address in at this time. And asked them, would you endorse it? Would, would you say this is a good idea and we'll back it? And immediately, a lot of people and institutions uh, that were viable and existed in 1994 came back with endorsements. And that October 1994 was the first then called Lesbian and Gay History Month uh, in the USA. And from that point forward, it's evolved in the U.S. and then also now internationally. We have Pride Months and Pride Festivals. Why do you think history needs its own point of focus? Well, they're both so important, aren't they? Because... Pride evolves out of history, and then history is made in pride. If in the U.S., June had also been within the academic calendar, perhaps there could have been Pride and History Month. But in the U.S., all of our schools are closed in June, uh, at least 98% of them. So it had to be within the academic calendar. But I think that they're different in that Pride is about exerting our right to exist now in a prideful status, and and not the negative sense of the word prideful, of course, and even a joyful status. It's to exert our right to be and to be happy and to be who we are in the here and now. History Month is taking that lens and looking backward, where we were, where we came from, what happened in the past, because 
all of us on this International Committee on LGBTQ Plus History Months believes that history has innate power to not only inform, but also to enlighten and to provide a path forward and to give lessons and wisdom on what worked in the past and what didn't work. Uh, in addition, of course, it's a sacred obligation. Most of us on this committee would feel that we remember those who came before us. We remember what they did. We remember the community they built. We remember that we are where we are now, even with the various drawbacks that we might have in terms of different nations not being as warm and welcoming. We're where we're at because of what they did. So history and pride matter, but they are, in a sense, unique and separate from one another, but also connected in a really strong and, and important way. Two sides of the same coin, perhaps. That uh... I love that analogy. That's it. Two, two uh, sides of the same coin. There's 8 billion people in the world. Everybody has their own history. What makes something or someone stand out as historically significant? Well, a person can be historically significant for magnificent and wonderful reasons and also for uh, reasons that aren't magnificent and wonderful. So let's stick with the good, the good side. Uh, these are the ones who can see beyond their current time. They can imagine a future that doesn't exist. Uh, they are not tied down only to their place and circumstance. They're able to see a path toward a future that is, in the case of our community, uh, more just, uh, more inviting, more warm, more inclusive. And they're not afraid ultimately to take serious risks toward furthering their vision. You know, in the U.S., Martin Luther King stands out, for example. He saw a beloved community that did not exist, but he knew it could exist. And then he spent his life trying to will into existence that beloved community. And in the end, at age 39, he sacrificed his life for that vision. So these are the ones who stand out, uh, those who create institutions within a community that endure beyond their lifetime, you know, they stand out. Uh, those who have a, a new way or a fresh way of seeing why things are as they are, they stand out. Uh, so these are the ones who make history and move the conversation forward. And those of us in this History Month community believe that they offer, though, though they're dead now, uh, they still offer wisdom and lessons uh, from which we can gather strength and we can gather uh, a viable plan forward to an even better uh, future. That's Rodney Wilson, founder of the world's first LGBT History Month with us on Joy 94.9. I feel quite inspired. Yeah, that, he's I love right. that idea of history providing a path forward. It almost doesn't make sense, but it does. Like oh. you're looking backwards in order to go forwards. Forwards, yeah. Well, guide you. Well, those who don't um, look at the past, they're doomed to repeat it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that, um, you know, uh, things that are historical, historically significant or people 
they are risk takers. They sort of, they have to push through what we know now in order to make change. They've got to drive community in a different way so that there's change. Yes, exactly. Mm, lots more coming up from Rodney. In fact, uh, we find out his thoughts on young people and how they're engaging in queer history. And yes, the answer of how, in, how charged up they are might surprise you. This is World Wide Wave. Our community is strong. Make joy even stronger and become a member. Joy.org.au this is Autumn Batar from LGBT Centre of Mongolia, and I'm happy to be on World Wide Wave. We put the call out to you for your memories, your personal moments of queer history that might resonate with you. Andrew, did you, do you have something that sticks in your mind? Yep. The biggest one for me by far is marriage equality. Oh, yeah. yes. Because my partner and I, we've been together for 28 years and we had a commitment ceremony in 2007 because we never thought we'd be able to get married. So oh. it was huge for us. And that moment when the, the, the count was announced, yeah, yeah. Look, I'm getting tingles right now. Yes, yes. Yeah. I wish it had been more than 66%, but... Uh, Hey, that's a win. A it's win's a, a win. huge win. <laughs> uh, mine, mine, I was at the Gay Games opening ceremony in Sydney uh, in 2002 and so Michael Kirby, um, former High Court Justice, gave one of the most incredible speeches. Um, that was really, yeah, it's always stuck in my mind as well. Joy, 94.9. What began as a little idea in America's Midwest to create an LGBTQ History Month has grown to a global movement. It grew organically. First to follow was the UK, then parts of Europe, and Australia followed in 2016. But each largely developed on their own, with, but with that single common interest. Last year, a chance email took this movement to the next step. Rodney Wilson, founder of LGBTQ History Month in the USA, is now the co-founder of the International Committee on LGBTQ Plus History Months. Rodney explains how it happened. Well, History Month USA started in 1994. Uh, the second one started in the United Kingdom in 2005. Uh, Sue Saunders is the co-founder of LGBT History Month UK. And then over time, other places adopted this idea or concept of a history month. Beginning about a year ago, I came into contact with a group of Italian academics and activists who wanted to start LGBTQ History Month Italy. And we began having a conversation about what it was they were doing and if there was any information I could provide for them that might be helpful. And out of that conversation came the idea that we actually need an LGBTQ plus history month international group. So we started recruiting individuals who were already involved in the history months in their nations or in their cities in the case of Berlin. And in January of this year, 2022, we met via Zoom, about 19 of us from about 17 or 16 different uh, countries. And then we've been meeting quarterly. Uh, we're putting a website together with uh, information about how to create a history month. And out of our committee this past May came the first history month in Cuba, uh, the first history month in Latin America. Um, and the two of the individuals who are involved on that founding committee of LGBTQ History Month Cuba are now on our international committee. So any organization that has an official history month in their location 
who would like to be part of our international committee, up to two representatives can come on the committee. And we work with each other. We support each other. We provide information, wisdom, ideas to each other. Uh, new nations that are wanting to, you know, come on to this idea themselves and incorporate it into their own unique location can join our committee. We'll provide all the information and help and support that we possibly can. All of us on, on this committee are, we're academics or activists, uh, historians or teachers. And we truly have a profoundly fundamental belief in the value and importance of history. And we want to do everything we can in our LGBTQ plus community to make that history available to everyone. Australian historian Graham Willett said that we're in a queer moment so that there is this um, surge in interest in LGBT history. Why do you think that is? It's a really good question that I've tried to come to understand myself, because certainly in 1994, when I was starting the History Month in the USA, we were not in a queer moment of any kind. And so we have seen an evolution. And Graham is right. He's absolutely right that this is, it seems that finally percolating beneath the surface, these ideas and this community and these concepts and then finally, you know, the coffee is brewed and you begin to serve it. And that seems to be where we're at. And I think part of that reason is because of social media, frankly. You know, we are now an international community with social media. Uh, we've seen globalization now and we're all, you know, putting these ideas out there and they're bouncing off everyone else. And they're being seen by someone in, in Kenya, which I've just had conversations with individuals in Kenya who, who just this year really started their first uh, history month, LGBTQ plus history month. So I think the idea has finally gone uh, above ground fully. I think that you had to have a certain level of uh, individuals who are safe enough to be out and open on the job, in the workplace, particularly in schools and in education and at universities. And so we've just generated a lot of energy around the idea. And the idea now that history matters is, I think, ingrained in all of us in this community because we've all learned and grown ourselves as we've studied queer history. And I think Graham is absolutely right that this is a queer moment uh, for this history and this is a time in which we're going to be able to see uh, this idea evolve in other places. Next year, in fact, there'll be the first LGBTQ History Month Ireland. Um, I'm just beginning to have some conversations with someone who's been doing LGBTQ history in Ireland for a long time. And she and her group, Queer Culture Ireland, uh, they've decided it's time to have the first official month there. So the idea continues to grow and evolve. And my hope is that eventually... Um, History Month will be as well-known and as widely commemorated as is Pride Month. Fantastic. Is the involvement in History Month a generational thing? Is it mainly sort of older people, or are you finding that young people are wanting to engage and find out what LGBT history is, you know, what has come before them? You ask really good questions. Um, I would say that for those of us in the over 40 community, 
since we were not taught any LGBTQ history when we were in school, even in university, if we're over 40, uh, we're recovering the history now because it's something we never had access to. The young ones, particularly the under 25, they are demanding that they be taught history now. They want to be taught this history when they're 15 and 16 and 17 and 18. And I do find that it seems to me among LGBTQ plus youth, there is an interest in history that is greater than the interest in history in the general population of young people their age. And I think that's part of the craving for a deeper desire of understanding of who they are and who people were in the past who were in a similar situation. So I think it's both, actually, which would not probably be the case in the general population. In the general population, I think the over 40 are more interested in history uh, than are the under 25. But in the LGBTQ community, I think the interest is about the same. Speaking from the USA, that's Rodney Wilson, co-founder of the International Committee on LGBTQ Plus History Months with us on Joy 94.9. There's that nice synergy there between sort of young people being engaged and social media. I mean, social media gets, you know, there's a lot of crazies out there. There's a lot of bad things about social media. Here we have something that's good. Yeah. And it's amazing that he says that um, the under 25s are interested in the LGBTQ history. That surprises me. Yeah, look, but mm, maybe it's that shareability thing. It's, you know, your friends are, are putting things out there. You can sort of grab information in bite sizes and share it onto your friends. It's, mm. Yeah, it mm. is intriguing and uh, um, uh, good to see. Good yes, to see. absolutely. Uh, coming up on Joy 94.9, we hear how Rodney himself has become a part of history. This is World Wide Wave. The Joy community, here for you, here together. Dear Ditch. Hello, this is Rosie Fagan, speaking to you all the way from Belfast in Northern Ireland on World Wide Wave. You're on the show that takes you around the globe, one queer story at a time. Now, this is our last show for a little while. We're going to take a little break over the summer, get some rays, you know. Uh, no, just have a little bit of a recharge so we can come back to bring you more stories from around the globe uh, next year uh, after the summer. But we'll be playing some of our best of over the summer. So you will still hear us on air. We're going to look back at some of our favourites and bring those to you in the coming weeks. And we'll be back with you very soon. Well, there came a point at which I was out to everyone in my life, family, friends, community, but I wasn't out on the job, not to colleagues and certainly not to students. In the U.S. in the 1970s, there was so much backlash against the concept of LGBTQ teachers. Um, there was Anita Bryant in 77, the Briggs Initiative in 1978. Uh, Oklahoma legislation uh, the next year that that made it illegal to have LGBTQ teachers. And I was a boy at the time. I was 12 in 1977, and I remembered these things. They were in the atmosphere and percolating around. So I really didn't think I could be a teacher. I didn't think it would be allowed. I didn't think it was possible, truly. So I was going to do something else. I was going to work at a Walmart which is um, a retail store in the United States because that seemed, my mother did that. I can't be a teacher. So that's what I'll do. And I went to work at a Walmart, worked there two and a half years. 
and then recognized this just wasn't for me. So I went back to, I went to college at age 21, not at 18 out of high school. And I decided I would be a teacher, but I knew I would have to keep this a secret. And I took a lot of steps that first and second year teaching to make sure that no one found out that I was a gay teacher in that school. There were some other gay teachers in the school, LGBTQ teachers. We knew each other. You know, we came to know each other, but everyone was silent. I was the youngest one. They were in their 40s and 50s. They'd been teaching for a while. I was new and fresh. And I just came to a point to believe that if I wanted to be a fully integrated human being in this very short period of time that we get on this earth, I had to tell my students. And in March 1994, I did tell them what was happening uh, in context of a, a lesson we were having on World War II and the Holocaust and the various groups that were part of the, the 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 effort of Nazis to rid the world of those they didn't like, primarily, of course, Jews, but also others, including uh, homosexuals. And I told my students with a poster there from the National Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C., that included a pink triangle, that had I been there at that time, I might have had to wear a pink triangle. I may have been among the persecuted. If I had been Jewish, I would have told my students I'm Jewish in that lesson. If I had been a Jehovah's Witness, I would have told them I'm a Jehovah's Witness. There's the purple triangle for me. Uh, my connection to that event was the pink triangle. And it did cause a lot of controversy in the St. Louis area. And then that spread into um, a few national publications and uh, national uh, television stories uh, there were school board meetings of those who were were very unhappy with what I had done and felt it was completely unacceptable and that I should be uh, released from my position. Uh, but I wasn't. I, I taught uh, that year, which was my fourth year, and I taught three additional years at that high school uh, before I moved on to other areas in education. In creating what you have, both from the LGBT History Month in the USA, but also now this worldwide movement that's growing, you yourself have become a part of history. How does it feel to be a part of something that um, future generations will look at, will study, and will hopefully embrace? Well, I think we all want to be remembered, probably. And as I'm getting older, you know, I'll be 58 my next birthday. My father died at 60. So I do think about that question. I would hope to be remembered as someone who did do one little something at a point early in his life that had meaning beyond that moment and beyond that immediate circumstance that would i would be very grateful for that and humbled to know that that might be a possibility well said rodney wilson the founder of lgbtq history month usa and co-founder of the international committee on lgbtq history months thank you so much for joining us on worldwide wave thank you matt it's uh, been a pleasure and if i ever make it to australia I'll let you know, and maybe we can meet face-to-face. -face. Now, um, 
Uh, Rodney, a great, great guest, very articulate, and we've got more of him. We're, we're going to post a, an extended version of the interview because there was just so much interesting stuff that he had to say. So that'll come out on podcast in the next couple of days. Um, but I just want to touch on the sort of the telling your students thing because back in the 90s even and in sort of that heartland America, you know, it really is Trump country. I think he said to me it, it's like they voted about 75% to, to, to Trump. Mm, horrifying. To, to come out to teachers would be one thing. But to come out to your students, that's a real um, so brave, bold, bold move, isn't I'll it? Say, yeah, yeah. And he did it in a really nice way. Sort of, he he it was um, he brought it into his history classes about you know um, uh, gay people and the Holocaust and things like that. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, I came out in the eighties, and even then, you were seen as an oddity. Yeah, 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 yeah. And at that time, we thought things were changing, but then AIDS uh, set everything back so far, and people were scared of gays again. Mm. Mm. As as I was chatting to him, and uh, it got me thinking, like, when given that for so many centuries people were hiding their sexuality. It's really, I find it fascinating how historians are able to sort of dig back and find the clues to unearth somebody's sexuality. If they weren't out as we would call it today in, you know, a thousand years ago, but mm. they still dig back and they find it. It's incredible. Um, there was that story they made a television program about it, two women um, in the 1800s in uh the UK, and they wrote to one another, but they used some sort of code that um, historians were able to break down. And so they had a, um, a lesbian relationship in the 1800s. It was, yeah, amazing. And mm. then we find out about it now. And now, that is yeah. a, a legacy, as, uh, as Rodney was saying there. Mm. Listen live or on demand from wherever you are in the world. Stream us live on joy.org.au or subscribe on iTunes or your favourite podcast platform to World Wide Wave. Hi, my name is Hope Matumbo from the Multicultural Health and Support Service, and you're listening to the World Wide Wave. Receive LGBT news from around the world throughout the week. Like World Wide Wave on Facebook now. A huge thank you to our guest tonight, Rodney Wilson, the founder of LGBTQ History Month USA and the co-founder of the International Committee on LGBTQ History Months. Find out more about that at lgbthistorymonth.com. We're also putting out tomorrow night the extended version of the interview with some more great stuff. Uh, find that on our website and podcast channels. And for us here in Australia, our version of LGBTQ History Month, you'll find information at theequalityproject.org.au. And thanks to everybody who sent us messages in the last week, uh, Stephen, Richard, Liz, Stefan, and a heap more who've joined um, or interacted with us on Facebook. Uh, that's W3Joy on Facebook. And our wonderful behind-the-scenes team, our podcaster Peter and social media master Dean. Good work, guys. We'll catch you next week on World Wide Wave. Thanks for listening to another podcast from World Wide Wave, the show that takes you around the globe one country at a time. World Wide Wave is the international news and current affairs show on Australia's LGBT radio station Joy 94.9. You can listen live every Tuesday night on 94.9 FM in Melbourne and online at joy.org.au. 
You'll find all our podcasts at joy.org.au slash Worldwide Wave. Or follow us on Facebook for the latest international LGBT news. Search W3Joy on Facebook now. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.